This is Adoption the Long View, a podcast brought to you by Adopting.com. I'm your host, Lori Holden, author of The Open-Hearted Way to Open Adoption. Join me as we take a closer look at what happens after you adopt your child and begin parenting them. Your adoption journey isn't over then, it's just beginning. In this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of thought-provoking and influential guests as we help you make the most of your adoption journey. Like any trip worth taking, there will be ups and downs and challenges. Here's what you're going to wish you'd known from the start. Ready? Let's go. The journey of adopting a baby can be so uncertain and feel so all-consuming that sometimes it's hard to see past it. My guest today, Tim Elder, helps people become parents through adoption with his Infant Adoption Guide course, blog, and podcast. I'm talking with Tim about the convergence of the part of the journey he focuses on, adopting, and the part of the journey I focus on, adoptive parenting. What does it take to make a smooth transition from hoping to be a parent to actually being a parent? If you've ever wondered what comes next after your dreams of having a baby come true, stay tuned. Tim Elder, with me today, is a dad of three through infant adoption and the founder of the InfantAdoptionGuide.com blog and podcast, where he shares his personal experience with adoption alongside the experience of other adoptive families, experts, authors, adoption agencies, attorneys, and more. His mission is to bring people who want to adopt a baby into a community so they can support each other and learn from each other in being able to adopt well and with less stress by delivering hope inspiration, and resources. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Lori. Great to be with you. Thank you for that nice introduction. That's, that's awesome. That's perfect. Thanks. So eager to talk with you today about this transition. You're the dad of three great kids. Tell us briefly about your journey into adoptive parenting. Yeah, so my wife and I got married fairly young, and we never thought that having kids, biological kids, would be a problem. We just thought we'd get married. Kids would just happen. But several years in our marriage, we, it wasn't happening. And I started wondering what was going on. So we, we did start looking at infertility, started going through infertility treatments. Unfortunately, I had a miscarriage um, and just kept pursuing it. But nothing was getting resolved. You know, we were just not, it wasn't happening for us. And we weren't really finding any solutions. And we knew adoption was an option for us. Um, for I don't know, however it came into our lives, but we knew it was there as an option and we didn't want it to be a, like a second option or something that we just fell back on but we wanted to really pursue it because that was what was right for us and we got to that point we got to the point of you know what this is we really do need to consider even if we're doing infertility treatments which i don't recommend everybody doing but that's what we did and so we started and we got our home study done we've got uh, our, our education about adoption in and we got our profile made and ironically it took nine months for us to adopt the first time and our daughter was born several states away and we only had four days after we were matched with uh, her birth mom so it was really fast for us for first adoption and it but it was fun and it was good and everything worked out well and we have a nice uh, open adoption with her birth mom and the second one a couple years later was a little bit different and weird because right after we started, my wife Tisha was diagnosed with breast cancer. So that put a big halt in our uh, journey to adopt our second one. And uh, so we did that, it, which I think we waited about a year or so for her to go through treatments and everything. 
but we got back ready and jumped back in and it took about another 20 months from there to to match and then we had a longer four month match with our son's birth parents and during, and during the great. pregnancy yes during the pregnancy so before he was born it was about four months but between when they picked us and we matched with them and he was born so what was great about it is we got to go meet them we got to have start this relationship with them and we did that and it was great he was born again several states away but we made it work and we'd have an awesome uh, open adoption relationship with them <clears throat> so the third one we started again when our son was about 18 months maybe two years old started uh the process again it took a little over two years to match but again a super short match less than a week from match to birth so um a little bit different open adoption story. I think we'll get into that later, but not much contact with the birth mom on this one, more contact with the birth grandma, which was cool and fun. Um, and some California, she was born in California, a little bit different adoption laws out there, some complications led us to stay there uh, for 16 days, um, but it all worked out well. And we've got three amazing kids, like you said, 14, eight and four now. So are we got a busy household? But all of them are newborns, all born in different states, all open adoptions. And uh, we've got to finalize them uh, mostly here, actually all of them here. And um, all three were placed with us within about 72 hours after they were born. So we've experienced a lot. I mean, a lot of, that's a short condensed version of a lot of ups and downs that went through the process. As, as we all know, if anybody that's gone through the process, you, you feel that. But, you know, we had a lot of joy. We had a lot of pain. We had some frustration. We had some elation. Um, but ultimately so blessed to have our three kiddos and their bird families and welcoming into our family. Mm, sounds like you've got some inclusive situations going on and that yes. your experiences have really run the gamut with um, length of time and you've had the sorrows and the joys and the weights and, and, uh, and all of that. So um, we know that parenting, however it comes, can really shift things around for parents. What are some of the things about adoptive parenting that surprised you or at least added another layer to regular old parenting yeah you know when we before we adopted i was worried a little bit that i don't know about my wife as much but, but i was a little worried about our, our kids being felt like they were adopted kids like that was the moniker they would hold the rest of their life and that would that would define them but what i found is that it doesn't it, they are they don't lead with hey i'm adopted um they're I'm a kid, I'm a part of this family. And, and the fun thing about it is they may use it as a fun fact, like they're not afraid to let anybody know, but they'll use it as an opportunity, like, hey, here's something you might not know about me. So that was really cool um, as we've gotten our kids have gotten older and they've been able to start telling their own stories that way. And <clears throat> the other thing was our family and friends, I never knew exactly how they were going to accept our kids and and how fast they would accept and love our kids but it was it was fairly immediate but there was some hesitation i mean of course i think there always is and it depends on your circle of family and friends too how wide it gets uh, depends on how immediate and unconditionally they accept your kids um, but for the most part i think it was really good it was it was su even surprising to me how well um, people accepted our kids and and brought them in and some of that had to do with us but we were very open and very, um, we, we explained things to people 
we made sure they understand how things were going, but we didn't tell the, our kids a story for them, which is very important. We'll get into that later too. Um, and then the last thing I think was just the building relationships with our kids as birth families was, was really important to us. And at the beginning, we were we didn't know anything about open adoption when we first started. Didn't know what it was. It almost scared us, but we learned quickly, and we were really educated well by adoption counselors that we had that it was just, this is what's good for the adoption triad. It's good for the child, it's good for the birth family, it's good for you, the adoptive family. And here's why, and they explained it to us very well. It opened our eyes and we didn't fully understand it until we started experiencing it. Now we've gone through three, it totally makes sense to us and we couldn't see it any other way. I love that you and your wife became what I call ambassadors for adoption and open adoption. And you kind of became educators of what it all means to help them work out their stuff in accepting your kids and their the part of the story that they knew. And I also love that your point that um, by acknowledging your kids' adoptedness, it helped them incorporate it into their identity. And I think it's something that we um, adoptive parents have to really do mindfully, which is find that sweet spot between dwelling on adoption and denying its effects. And so it sounds like um, you did that. You and your wife did that pretty mindfully. Yeah, uh, and it's super important to do that. I, yeah. I completely agree um, to have a healthy relationship for everybody. Yeah. I think that is probably a, um, a key point in making that transition from adopting to adoptive parenting is to figure out how you're going to find that sweet spot. And um, it's not with so many things with adoption, it's not like you find it and you're done. You kind of every day have to assess: am I am I doing this in the in the in the best way possible for my kids? Which is why I love your podcast because adoption doesn't end when a child or a baby is placed with you. It absolutely begins, and you have to be mindful of how you're going to parent and how the stories are going to happen, how you explain things to your child, how they can explain things when they get older and understand things. So super important. So I love what you're doing. Thank you, Tim. Um, you have three kids and you have birth family members involved with all three of them. Sometimes it's challenging for parents who have more than one child, more than one birth set of birth parents or birth family members, as you said, you know, we're, we're reaching out to lots of people. We're including a lot. And um, how, what do you do when there's an imbalance between your kids and what kind of access they might be able to have with their own birth parents? Yeah, and we've had imbalance, um, still have a little bit of imbalance, um, but for us, we never want the imbalance to be on us or because of us. We always wanna treat and be open to our kids' birth families the same. We wanna be able to make sure they know we're available we want our kids to be available to them. So we try to do that as, as much as we possibly can. And, and we're open to all sorts of contact through, and we, and we do have contact through text, through phone calls, video calls, visits, um, even through Facebook Messenger. Um, so we want them to know that they are part of our family and they do. And some of them just prefer to have a little bit less contact with us for whatever reason. And we're okay with that as long as they know we're always open to more. So it, it, it can be though difficult to explain to our kids, you know, especially as they get older, how 
some have more connection with their birth families than others. And it's an ongoing conversation. And I'll share a story that explains a little bit of what, how we've dealt with it. Because one of our kids um, were really close, more close than the others with their birth family. So we have actually had the opportunity to go visit them several times and they've come to visit us. And so on one of those visits, uh, um, another, our, our other child said, hey, how come I don't have this great visit relationship with my birth mom? And we had to talk through that and we did. And it got us thinking though, we really need to offer to talk more with her birth mom. And so we did and we, we opened up a little bit more and just made sure she said, hey, and she was happy that we did that. Um, so even if you have all these grand ideas and the reason I tell the story is even if you have all these grand ideas and, and you're so open, doesn't mean you always are. You could get lost in the moment and figure out, oh, wait a minute, I, I, we haven't really, we haven't heard from her in a while and maybe we should reach out. Uh, and so we did that. We set up a phone call uh, and we, we talked together and it really helped her know that her she still has that connection there with her birth mom if she wants it. And the street runs both ways. I love that. Um, especially that you're not only looking at what is there, but also sometimes tuning into what's not there and um, figuring out with your, ch your children's birth family members and with your child. So that, that tuning in is so important. Uh, what are your thoughts on open versus closed adoption? And, and first, I think we need to define how we're using the terms because on this podcast before, I've used them in a, in a very specific way, what openness means and what closedness means. Yeah, and so for me, I mean, thankfully, open adoption is the standard today in today's adoption world. Um, didn't used to be, but I'm so thankful it is today. And, and closed is just... Uh, either no or very limited contact between the birth family and the adoptive family and maybe even limited knowledge of them on, on what the history of in your child's family. So thankfully, uh, closed adoptions are rare, but they do happen. Um, open adoption to me is more about openness because it's not just contact or the kind or the how much contact it's it's relationship and I think that's I'm already talking about that as uh, so we've gone on in the podcast but it, it's more of an attitude it's a lifestyle it's cultivating a relationship it's welcoming your child's birth family into your family because it can be so good it is so good for the child it's so good for the birth family it's so good for us the adoptive family and I mean the birth family they get to know they made the right choice they get to know child's loved and cared for and continues to be loved and cared for. The child gets to know where they came from. They have the ability to connect with their birth family. They get the questions answered if they need to or want to. And then adoptive family, we really get, we get all, uh, it's, it's hard to explain all we get because there's so much of a very cool, fun bond that we get to form in this relationship. And I know it doesn't always go perfectly smooth. It's not always, you know, rainbows, you know, it, but it does, it, it's like in relationships though, the more you work on it, usually the better it becomes. And it certainly it's been that way for us. It's, it's helped us develop that bond. And we know the health history of our children and that's huge too. It's just, it's fun to know that our kids as birth families share as much unconditional love for our child as we do. Mm -hmm. It so is nice really, to have those people around. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you sometimes have people who come to you and say, I just, I just want a close adoption. I just, I just want this to be done. I want to be like a normal family. And what, what do you say to people who, who might tell you that? Yeah, well, normal quote unquote is, is, uh, is really relative there because an adoption to me, it is, I guess you just don't have that choice or you don't even want that choice. And I tried to explain to them just the benefits of this. You don't, as a, on the outside looking in, if you haven't adopted yet, it's hard to know the benefits and know what it's like to have this relationship with your child's birth family and the value in that is just huge. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to really tell people exactly what it's like without experiencing it. Mm-hmm. But all I can do is tell my story. And this is how we've done it. And this is how, what the benefits we got out of it, how we see this benefiting our children as they're growing up. And it's not co-parenting. It's not a uh, big intrusiveness. It's not this burden. It's something that we can really share with our, our kids and bring other people into our lives to share the love with. And I know that sounds a little grandiose, maybe a little bit uh, too easy, too fun, too, uh, without any problems. And I, I'm certainly not here to say open adoption is not without problems. It certainly can have challenges. I've talked to people that have had challenges, and, um, it, it, but it's about relationships, it's about communication. So I, I just tell people my story, how we've done it, and try to get them to think about it differently if they're if they're really about having a closed adoption. Yeah, I think there is a coming to terms that people sometimes need to do during this transition from adopting or thinking about adopting to adoptive parenting, which is you have to come to terms with the idea that you're not the only mom or you're not the only dad, and that can be really. That can be really hard because we're almost hardwired to, to want to own this child 100%, which is kind of a, uh, a thing about parenting that you don't get till you're in it. You don't own anybody. Right, um, right. But the adoption piece means that you actually share a claim with another actual person. And um, again, we get to that back to that denying. You can deny that, but that does not really help you um, on your own journey to kind of be discounting a large factor in your child's actual life. Let's, totally agree. yeah, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about um, adoption is the coming to the table of two people who are, are in some sort of desperate circumstance. And I'm talking specifically about domestic infant adoption when parents have come here through infertility. So they want a baby really, really badly. They have baby fever. I understand it. I had it. Um, I think I was 107 degrees on some days with that fever. Then you also have a woman who really, really, for whatever her reasons are, doesn't want to be pregnant, can't be pregnant anymore. And, and she decides to carry her pregnancy and she's going to have to, um, there's a desperation there too. So when you have a situation and and then we have this power imbalance that's going on too, sometimes, um, before the the relinquishment, the birth mom or the expectant mom has a lot of power. And then at the moment of, um, that placement, the adoptive parents have all the power and it completely shifts. So when you're dealing with these big factors, there are occasional outliers, people who take advantage of each other when they're in the power position. So what can you say about 
these two different, let's go to both ends. One, a woman posing to be an expectant mother who really isn't, and she's preying on people hoping to adopt. And also on the other side, an adoptive parent who will promise the moon to an, an expectant mom about contact and inclusion, but then who doesn't deliver that. In other words, what's the role of honor in the process of placing a baby and adopting a baby? Yeah, well, first, both situations are just hurtful, terrible, unacceptable in, in the adoption world, but both happen, unfortunately. And um, the scams, I guess, is what the first thing you're talking about, a woman posing to be expect a mom who really isn't and preying on people hoping to adopt. And uh, those can be uh, uh, you know, terrible, they're emotional, they can be financial, and they do cut hopeful adoptive parents to the core and some never adopt again because of it. It's just really bad, but the scams happen, and which is why I, it's important to know about them, understand that they happen and maybe even try to see some red flags in it, but it's important to work with an adoption professional that can help us avoid those. They see them, they can talk with these expectant moms that really can handle these things and see the red flags and stop them before they reach you, the hopeful about the family. So uh, it's a big topic. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, but it is true that they do happen and it's, it's hard to completely avoid them because they, some people are really, really good at it, unfortunately. On the second and part, let, let me ahead. say one real thing yeah. real quick before you shift gears, as I asked you to, um, and that is, I want to emphasize that I said the word outlier. I don't want anybody um, listening, right. think that this happens a lot. Those yes. kind of scams are rare. I think less rare than the next part that you're going to get into. So go ahead. Perfect point. Absolutely great. You said that. Yes. The second point happens much more often, and it's also just hurtful, terrible, unacceptable, because it's cruel to the birth mom so, or the birth family, because you are the child's place with you, the adopted family, and you're, you may have made these, these promises and over-promises of, of contact, and oh yeah, we'll visit, well, these things that sound so great before you adopt, and then after adoption, you're like, whoa, 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 I, I can't do all this, and it hurts, because these, these birth families really want to know that they made the right choice. They want to know their child's love for cared for. And that, like I said before, they, and that continue, they continue to be. So no adoptive family, anybody that's listening to this is adoptive family or hopeful adoptive family should, should not be promising the moon about contact and openness. They should be realistic, thoughtful, talk it through with their social workers. Um, still be open though, open to contact, open to having that relationship and talking through with, the birth family about what's good and how much and when and all those things and ultimately it's about the child it's about how to make it best for the child to have that relationship with their birth family and i know it's not easy and it's it could those conversations can be hard but as adoptive families you really really cannot over promise and then don't deliver that is to, i my advice is always just i tell people to start slow don't over promise do something though. Don't say, well, I'm scared. I'm not going to do anything. You know, we're not going to have any contact. No, that's not the right way. You, you need to know that the, that the birth family wants to know they made the right decision, the baby's loved for and cared for. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. And I think also from a parenting standpoint, one of the things you would really want to model for your child so that your child grows up um, with this value is that your words and your actions need to align. Um, that's how an honorable person moves through life. So you need to model that for your, for your child too, by, by doing it with your child's birth parents. Great point. Cause if what you do, how you treat, how you respect, how you love their birth family is a reflection on your child. So they will see that no matter how hard you think you may be able to hide it or anything like that. They're going to know, they're going to see it. They're going to feel, especially as they get older. So absolutely great, great advice. Um, yeah, and that's a really good point. Do. Yeah, the, the child will internalize and, yeah. and they will notice, like you say. Yeah. You have a highly successful course, Tim, a set of eBooks and a podcast for people wanting to adopt, all called the Infant Adoption Guide. Once people do complete their adoptions, what do you think it takes to be successful with moving onto the next phase, adoptive parenting? Maybe give us your top three tips. Absolutely love this question. Yes. Um, and my first tip is tell your child early and often their story. Don't wait. Please don't wait. Start small, you know, start when they're, even before you might think they could even understand it. And the way I, we did this was, you know, as uh, we put them to bed at night, we just tell them a quick story just about how their adoption happened. Simple, simple steps, nothing complicated, nothing but then we continue to tell them a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more as they get older because they need to know where they came from. They need to know where they are with you now, um, how this all happened, how much they're loved and will always be loved by you, their mom and dad. So tip one, tell your child literally and often their story. The second tip is it flows into that or from that in their adoption story is their child's adoption story is their own story. So don't go around telling everybody all the details of your child's adoption story. Let them, as they get older, tell how much or little they want and when they want. Because uh, people will ask you to, they'll say, what happened with the birth family? Why did they do this? How could, how could they do this? They'll probe you with these questions and you don't have to answer. And we don't, uh, in our experience, we just, we tell them a little bit, and we say, you know what, that's our child's story to tell. And uh, if they want to share it later, that's their prerogative. That's what they, if they want to do that. So really critical, in my opinion, is to protect your child's story. Uh, you don't want them to hear their story from someone else. I don't know, that would be really, really bad. So step or tip three is cultivate that open adoption relationship with your kids' birth families they've been talking about. Um, you don't want your kids, you really want to show them how much love they get from that open adoption relationship. Like we talked about, you, you never want to talk bad about your kids as birth families. You certainly don't want to lie about them or, or uh, you, you want to, even if you, there's some toxic, toxic reasons that you can't have a good open adoption relationship, you don't have to go into that much detail, especially when they're young. Later, they can find out more about that and, and you can, tell them as they get older, but but you need to cultivate that relationship as much as you can. Be open as, as you can and just keep the door open for that birth family uh, because your kids are gonna know how much you do that or don't do that. 
Yeah. And I like the way you've expanded it into birth family, even if maybe a birth parent isn't in a, um, in a state for a time where contact is possible. Who else in the family, maybe a birth grandparent, a birth aunt or uncle, birth sibling, those, all those connections can um, serve the child as well too. Absolutely. And they have in our, in our experience, um, certainly their family, um, especially the grandmas are, are involved and want to be involved. And we love that. Those are really great points, Tim. I love the, the two sides of the telling the story that you have is make sure that over time and in an age appropriate way, the child gets their whole story because it's their story. And at the same time, so there's no secrecy with them, um, but there's privacy with others. Right. You're, you're, you're caretaking the story until they're able to, to take care of everything. So those are really great tips. Thanks for sharing those with us. Um, our time is growing short as it always does. Um, so I'm going to ask you my last question, and this is something I'm going to ask um, of all season two guests. And that is this, what do you think people need to know to adopt well and to adoptive parent well? Great questions too. That made me, it may really made me think because you got two sides of the adoption here where you're going into it. And then when the child's placed with you, what happens? So it's very important to think about both. And so when you're going into adoption, I mean, remember that there's two things to remember really an expectant mom or the birth, the expectant family. It could be even like in our case, it was not just expectant mom, but they're going to choose you for being you. So you need to be sincere. You need to show her or them what life is like for their baby and your family. But you need to know that this is going to be a commitment, a lifelong commitment and have that openness like we were talking about. And the second thing to remember is just never, ever, ever give up. If you don't give up, you're, and you, if you don't give up, you're going to adopt. I mean, it, no matter how hard it seems, no matter how long the wait is, no matter how old you may think you are and can't do it, uh, just don't don't give up. So the transition of going into adoptive parenting well, I, I think following my three tips that I just gave are, are big because uh, you have to, like we said, you, you don't want your child's story secret, but you need it private. And you need to share those adoption stories early and often protect their story, cultivate those relationships, work on them because your kids' birth family are your family now. Like it or not, or want it or not, and you will want it. I think as you more you get into this, as our experience was, is more you get into it, the more you cultivate the relationship, you embrace them, or embrace them, and you love them. It uh, it's a beautiful thing. I I love that. I think my journey, my inner journey, mirrors what you're saying, which is I started out doing it for my child's birth parents. Then I went. Then it turned into I was doing it for my child, and then eventually I was doing it for me. Yeah. There, there's so much richness and, um, uh, I, I just really enjoyed doing it, even though sometimes it's very hard. I don't want to ever gloss over that piece. That's true. That's true. It can be, it can be, but you know, it's so fun to, like I said before, we put together like videos and, or sent, sent texts and pictures of just little milestones or just funny things they do and that ever send them pictures that they drew. It's just fun to know that their birth families care about all that little stuff just as much as we do. And there is no such thing as, wow, they probably don't want to see the latest little dinosaur that my son drew. Well, actually, no, that's pure gold in their world. <laughs> you know, exactly. They want to see that. Right. It's <laughs> so, like you can't overdo it with, no, <laughs> with your child's no, birth parents. They're into no. it as much as you are. 
Exactly. And you know what? I got one more tip that I think it's really important. And this is for anybody that's looking to adopt, but also after you adopt. And don't don't forget about this. It's it's support. And you mentioned it early on, I think, in the in my intro that having a community or some support, it's local, it's online, some community to help you, guide you, support you, be there for you. And it's likely you might not know anybody else who has adopted. So you got to find others who haven't either adopted or currently are adopting. It's just, for us, it was huge um, being a part of that. We didn't know anybody locally. So we got online and we found some people and it was a small group on Facebook and we called them our buddies because they were, and they were on the same place we were. And we just helped each other, encouraged each other, supported each other, talked through a lot of things. And it was just great. Uh, I wish they were local because probably get a lot more out of seeing people face to face. But if you can't, certainly do it online. And I have a Facebook group that I'd love to invite people to. It, if you go to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash Facebook, we have a I'm an admin. I'm very protective of, of who gets in it. And it's not, I know your, your audience listening maybe are, are covering the whole adoption triad. And this isn't for them. It's, it's for just the uh, adoptive or hopeful adoptive parents and then people that do adopt. Uh, but there's certainly other Facebook groups out there for uh, support for the entire adoption triad. And I've witnessed you really caretaking in that group and not letting, um, any disrespect or piling on happen. So um, I, I really appreciate how you how you do caretake that group. But we do have tough conversations too. It's not just all, you know, fun and games and just everybody's happy all the time. It's there's challenges that go into adoption and we talk through those. So yeah, because that can that can be one of the downfalls of having a um, an adoption group that focuses only on one part of the triad mm-hmm. is that they can lose sight. Uh, they don't have the whole 360 degrees. So keeping that um, awareness of perspective in there is, is valuable. And I know that you do that. Yeah. And you need to hear from adoptees and uh, yes, Thank adoptees you for... have a voice and they need to be heard. And you need to, as an adoptive family or a hopeful adoptive family, need to listen to them and hear them because they have great insight on what it means to be adopted and what it's like no matter what their experience is and I had my own teenage daughter on on my podcast because I want her to tell her story uh, or share what it's like as so far uh, as a teenager to, to be adopted and what that means and we'll link to that episode I think that would be a really good episode for people to listen to so we will put that in the show notes yes thank you for that Tim, thank you so much for being with here with us today and sharing your, your really good nuggets of wisdom. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Yes, anytime. Thank you. Lori. To check out more of what Tim offers to people hoping to adopt, please check for links in the show notes. A special thanks to adopting.com for producing and sponsoring this podcast. With each episode of Adoption the Long View, we bring you guests that expand your knowledge of adoptive parenting. Please subscribe, give this episode a rating, and share with others who are on the journey of adoptive parenting. Thanks to each of you listeners for tuning in and investing in your adoption's long view. May you meet everything on your road ahead with confidence, capability, and compassion.